And while I'm talking, I want to also say that this morning I was scurrying around, and if I was sharp with anybody <laughs> or if I was rude, I apologize. I was just, uh, my mind was in five different places. So have mercy on me, please, and I apologize. I, uh, I'm, I'm so happy, and I didn't get to talk to Brother Sean. Do you prefer this or a lapel? Handheld. Do you want to be down there or you want to be up here? Up here. Okay. Got that settled. But I want to say this morning, you know, I, uh, when I was elected presbyter, God put four great men by my side. And this revival that, we, that we've done is not my idea. It was the idea of the pastors in this section and the idea of these f- four gentlemen, Brother Blizzard, Brother Roach, Brother, Brother Rick. <laughs> Sound like I'm an old man. Brother Wayne and, and, and Brother Sean and I, I these, these four men, we, they, they helped encourage me to do it and they've supported it every night and, and done a great job preaching and supported it in the daytimes. And I want to say thank you to, to you guys that for supporting me and giving me counsel and wisdom. And, and I just thank you so much. And uh, I want to thank Ronnie for jumping in here and playing drums this morning. Uh, and the other morning, just thank you for all the help. Veronica, thank you for stepping up and playing, singing with us this morning. She has a beautiful voice, and she has a, a, a ministry that's on Facebook called Stirred River. If you'd like to um, maybe listen to some of her music and things. So anyway, I guess I'm through doing commercials. So uh, I want to say how much I, how, how proud I am to, and how excited I am to hear Sean this morning. So, brother, if you'll come on and get me stop talking, we'll, we'll get going here. Amen. Amen. I I have to say I am so honored to serve my pastor here. And I I have had the privilege of getting to know Brother Scott Moore. I I, I am not the newest guy in the section now. I I've I've there's others that have come since I've come, but for a while I was the newest and the youngest and maybe the best looking. I don't know. Maybe. That's a big maybe. That's a big maybe. But I have to say I love the pastor's heart of a Brother Scott and his lovely wife. You know, one day they called me and it was it was the Lord. One hundred percent, it was the Lord, because I in that day I, I needed a pastor. This pastor needed a pastor on that day, and they happened to call right at the moment when my wife and I were really in a battle, in a hard battle. And as they called, I, it was tempting to do life as usual and hey God bless you good to hear from you brother you know but he asked this question how are you doing and I try my hardest to not lie to folks especially when they ask questions that are seemingly innocuous like how are you doing and so in that moment I told brother Scott how I was doing and what was going on in my life and I didn't realize he was on speaker. But him and Sister Kathy began to encourage Christina and I and pray for us. And I want to encourage you, uh, 
pastors, we have a wonderful pastor, and Brother Scott and Sister Kathy, and those of you who are church members, not only here at Oak Grove, but be honest with your pastor. Be honest. When he says, how are you doing? Don't lie. Because you might be missing an opportunity for some Holy Spirit ministry that God has placed in them that they want to pour out on you that it's not for us to keep. It's not for us to, to keep and hold. It's for us to, to share. That's part of what God has called us to do as pastors, right? There's a word there. I, I like words. Pastor has a lot to do with shepherd, sheep, right? So if you are a sheep today, and sometimes I'm a sheep, and I'm thankful for a good shepherd. Of course, we serve the best shepherd, Jesus. Be honest with Jesus. But I want to encourage you in that this morning. I'm so thankful to get to serve alongside the Briggs and the other men in our section who I greatly respect. And I, I literally look up to Brother Scott. Um, I think he must have done something right in life. He got to keep all his hair. Uh, uh, Brother Creston, I, I, I got you. I got you. It's so much easier, y'all, I'm telling you. I woke up this morning didn't have a thought about brushing anything. Well, a little bit. I had to brush here, so. Anyhow, I, I enjoyed worship this morning. I... Every time I hear there's power in the blood, it takes me back to about being eight years old. And as an eight-year-old new to church, my parents got saved when I was eight. I was a precocious little boy. That is the truth, right? Precocious, sinful little boy. And I love to make up words to these new songs I was learning in church. And our worship leader loved to put there's power in the blood and love lifted me together. And love lifted me was my favorite song not because I like what it said theologically, because if you remember that old hymn, it said, we were sinking deep in sin. Da, 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 da. Right? See, I don't even remember the right words to it. <laughs> because my favorite thing to do when we were singing Love Lifted Me was as soon as they said, we were sinking deep in sin, I would go, wee! And one Sunday, the sound system cut out just as that happened. And my mother, sitting in the choir loft, gave me the look that said I was going to pay dearly. And I am positive that I did because my mother did not spare the rod, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, it's probably who made, why I'm the man that I am today. Uh, and it wasn't always a rod. Sometimes it was a shoe, electrical cord, whatever my mama could grab, especially as I got larger, right? Uh, Anyways, I want to, to encourage you this morning. Now listen, I, I'm not as exciting as some of these other preachers. I, I don't get as hopped up. Um, I, I, I'm not as high in volume. But I promise you, I'm bringing you something that the Lord put on my heart this morning. And we're going to be reading in... First Peter chapter 5 today. If you want to get there, we'll, we'll stand in the honor of God's word here in a moment. I, I relate to Peter a lot. Peter was the redneck of the disciples. He was. He was. 
In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached, they said, this simple fisherman, right? He was a redneck, y'all. He was hot-tempered. The Lord has dealt with me about my temper for years. When Peter pulled that sword as they came to get Jesus, let me tell you, he wasn't aiming for the man's ear. If it had been a gun, he would have missed. He was aiming to take the dude's head off. If you pull your sword out and you accidentally take someone's ear off, it's not because you were trying to give them a trim. It's because you were meaning to take their head off. But I relate to Peter. And I love the way that God uses Peter. I love the realness of Peter. Peter sometimes didn't get it right, and I sometimes don't get it right. Peter was a nobody that simply said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I am a nobody that simply said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I tell people all the time, there is nothing special about my wife and I. We are normal people, as whatever normal is, by the way, who have simply said yes to God as often as we can. And when we have found out that we have not said yes to God, we repent and then we say, yes, God. So I don't get it right all the time. I really don't. Can anybody relate? We don't get it right all the time. And yet this week we have gathered here in this place and we have called out to God day after day, night after night, saying, God, pour out on us sin revival, do something new in us, light a flame in us. And as I begin to pray about this message, I'm going to tell you God has changed his message three times. The last time was at 7.15 this morning. Because I've had this burning thing in my heart that says, God, I do not want it to stop tonight. Come on now. Are we going to have business as usual tomorrow? Or are we going to walk in the revival that is God brought? Let's read God's word. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Let's read God's word. Would you stand and honor God's word this morning? 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. We like that part. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brother throughout the world and after you have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever amen, amen. Jesus speak to us this morning by your spirit encourage us this morning ready our hearts God for what's to come in Jesus name amen sit down Please, you can be seated. I realize that was a little authoritative there. It must be this pulpit here. Uh, let me tell you, I, I, I put a coat on this morning. 
Uh, some of you that know me know that this is a rarity. I do have suits. I do have ties. And, I, and someone said, boy, I'm not used to seeing you like that, brother. And I said, well, I was told a long time ago by, by the man who rose me up in ministry, he said, when you speak in another house, honor that house that you might receive the blessing and maybe a portion of the anointing that's in that house. And so that's been my prayer this morning because I want a portion of it. Amen. Amen. So I thought I can put a coat on if I'll preach a little bit better. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So uh, listen, I, I, I want to, to point out something to you. The people of God, as they, as they went through the desert and Exodus, they were experiencing supernatural things on a daily basis, multiple times a day. They had manna from heaven. They had the, the pillar of fire by night, the, the pillar of cloud by day. They saw a physical manifestation of God on a daily basis for 40 years. And yet, even in a literal move of God, God was literally moving them through the desert. They had some problems. They were a little thick-headed. Remember the bit about the serpents? Circumstance comes and the people of God begin to run around with their head cut off. Now, I'm not saying any of y'all would do that. And I, I love the symbolism in that story as Moses held up the staff and when they looked upon it, symbolizing the cross of Jesus Christ, there was salvation. I love it. I love the, I love the whole story of Moses. And yet when they entered in to the promised land, when they crossed the river Jordan with Joshua, things changed. No longer did they experience the daily presence of God, the manifest presence like they once had. And yet they're in the promise. They're in the thing that God had called them to. All of a sudden, they had to get new boots. Think about it. For 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. Boy, I would love that. Because you see, I, I am rarely, if I'm in style, it's because it's just come back around. Now, I'm not that old. I hate getting rid of clothes. You can ask my wife. She's like, you're not going to wear that shirt again. You don't fit on you. It might. I can lose some weight. I'm trying. I go to the gym. Blue jeans don't go out of style, y'all. And if I, I have a brown pair and a black pair, a brown belt and a black belt, I can match colors. Not well, but I can do it. But they didn't have to worry about that because none of that went out of style. They were all dressed and provided for by God. Listen, they, I like to think that manna was tacos. Okay, that's just, I can't theologically prove it, but that's my favorite food. And I, I like to think that, when we, or maybe tamales, you know. When I get to heaven, that's what it's going to be, you know. But, but listen, all of a sudden when they get to the promise, to the thing that they had been seeking after and going after, you see, it was disobedience that caused them to wander for 40 years. And it was finally obedience that caused them to enter into the presence. And I love that the obedience started with a supernatural event, the Jordan stopped as the priest, as the worshipers walked in and their ankles, their ankle deep and the Jordan stops. 
right? Oh, God is moving. Hallelujah, he's moving. Yeah, we're going to get into what God has called us to. We're going to get into the promise. Why is it such hard work now? There's people that you got to kill. There's things that you got to overcome. There's obstacles, and you still got to be obedient. Hello, when they get to AI, they weren't obedient, and they suffered. So we're seeking after revival. We're seeking after a move of God. We're seeking after a promise of God. God has said, I will pour out on all flesh. And we go, yes, God. Yes, God. Come on. Let's get to the altars. Let's raise our hands. Let's speak in tongues. Let's have a good time. And when we get there, are we going to be obedient? Are you going to continue to stoke the fire that God has started? You see, it it is a supernatural act that we walk into the promise. It is not my act. It's a supernatural thing. I'm not there. I'm nobody. I've just said, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. But when you get there, will you continue to hard work of walking in obedience? And listen, I love what Peter says. He says the, the enemy is like a lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Just because you're walking in revival, just because you're walking in the move of the Spirit doesn't mean the devil decided to take a day off. In fact, the, his, his modus operandi, if you go back to Moses and look at the people of God, when Moses goes and he says to Pharaoh, God's doing something, he's going to set these people free. The Pharaoh says, oh yeah? Well, let's double their work. Let's make it harder on the people. And that's how the enemy moves. Listen, you have dominion and you might be taking dominion. I love that message last night, Brother Creston. It was good. It was good, folks. But let me tell you, as soon as you discover that you've got dominion, the devil's going to start working on everyone around you that doesn't know it yet. He's going to start working in your family. He's going to start working overtime in your church, pastors. He says, oh, yeah? God, you want to do something? You want to, God, you want to do something? Well, let me, give you, let me give your folks a run for their money. And let me tell you, the people of God didn't handle that well. If you remember right, they complained. We got any complainers? No, none of y'all are complainers. You're all, listen, none of you complain. Oh, you, you are wonderful church folks. None of you pastors ever complain. You're steadfast. I don't complain. Lord, forgive me for lying. I am the chief complainant. I complain all the time to the Lord. Listen, this last 10 months has been nothing short of amazing. It's also been nothing short of terribly hard. It's been nothing short of terribly hard. Thing after thing has hit me in the face. Issues, problems. Let me tell you a little background. My my. This month is four years that I've been in Kirbyville, and I'm thankful for every bit of it. About a year ago, it was more than that, it was May of last year, we, we went to district council, and the Lord spoke to me, gave me a fresh vision. Oh, I love vision. I love when God gives fresh vision, don't you? Don't you wish that God would just do it all, though? Right? You know, pastors, when vision comes, it's, it's so refreshing. 
But it's time to put the boots on, put the gloves on, and get to work. It's the promised land time. It's time to move in what God has called you to do. It's time to get some calluses. But we don't like to think about that. We love that part where he says, at the proper time, he may exalt you. Oh, yes, Jesus. And the part where he says, oh, <laughs> knowing that the same kinds of su wait, suffering. Wait a second. Didn't you just talk about me being exalted, God? Peter, what are you talking about? Did you get that right from the Lord? Yeah, he did. It's all spirit-inspired. Suffering. I don't like suffering, Jesus. No one likes suffering. No one likes, can we be honest, not many of us like obedience. I, I don't. I can be honest. I, I have been going to the gym. Now, I'll tell you, my wife, she's my inspiration in a lot of things. My wife, is, is, she has got discipline down to an art. So she doesn't have a cheat day. She doesn't have a, a, a rest day from the gym because she knows that if she takes a cheat day or rest day, it's going to be a cheat year or a cheat, right? That's just how it is. She's got discipline. Me, I, this week I was like, you know, we got revival this week. It's going to be late nights. I, I, I don't want to wake up at 4 and go to the gym. I'll just take off. I, I don't like discipline. I don't. I, I, it's, it's, it's my least favorite thing, discipline. But God calls us to a church. God calls us to obedience. You know, I was wrestling with God, though. You see, God, God was showing me some things in, in May of last year, and I thought, man, all oh, those are great. And there was one thing that he showed me that I, 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 I was obedient, and I shared it with the church. I remember I came back from district council, and I preached a great message that Sunday, and I laid out some vision. I gave it to the church. In fact, it wasn't that Sunday because that Sunday was Mother's Day, so it was the next Sunday, and I had a week to chew on it all. And I gave this, this visionary statement out there, and boy, the church was lit on fire. That vision is good for us, folks. Where there's no vision, people perish. And so when you start preaching vision, people come alive, and it's good. And so we started to fulfill some of that vision. We started to see some of that vision happen, and it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. God was blessing things, and there was one piece of that vision that I was reluctant about, and it was to minister to addicts. You see, I, I, I pastored in upstate New York. I, I was a foreign missionary for eight years. If you've ever been to upstate New York, you know that that is a true statement. Wonderful people, very different. They do, do not know how to make barbecue, but that's okay. When they get to heaven, they'll figure it out. I also do not like snow. There, I said it. But we ran a 12-step there. Got my feet wet with it. And I, I understood the intricacies of ministry like that. I've been through it. I'd walk the walk, talk the talk. Been there, done that. Dealing with addicts, drunks, 
meth heads, crackheads, every kind of head you could think, everything under the sun had dealt with it. And I know that I know that I know in May of last year I heard God say, do this. But I, you know what I told myself? God, I'm just waiting for your timing. You know what that was? I was stalling. Do you know what stalling is? Stalling is disobedience. And I was being disobedient to the Lord. And in December, I prayed a stupid prayer. I said, God, is there anything this year that you called me to do that I didn't do? And God said, yes, dummy, you didn't do the, the thing I told you to do with the addicts. So what do you do when God speaks to you like that? Now, listen, God probably doesn't call you dummy, but I, listen, I, I think it's one of his names for me. And he says it lovingly, now, not, not, not in condemnation, but in the love of Jesus Christ. He has to get my attention sometimes, right? For Moses, he used a burning bush. For, for me, he says, hey, dummy. And I, oh, yes, God, right, right? So, so listen, God got my attention, and he said, what are you going to do about it? Well, my first step was to repent. Jesus, I am sorry. You gave me, he blessed me with vision. He blessed me. Vision's a blessing, folks. Pastor, vision's a blessing. But when we don't, when we're not obedient to the vision God has given us, and sometimes we look around and go, why are there issues? Well, it's because we've been disobedient. When we say, why is revival not coming to my church? Because I've been disobedient. You can read it all through the Bible. All through the Bible. You know, if every, if every story started in it with somebody being obedient, the Bible would be about, I don't even know if it would be a quarter of the length. And then they did what God said. The end. In fact, we wouldn't get past Genesis 3. It's true. However, the Bible shows us our nature, but more importantly, it shows us God's. He's kind and forgiving, bountiful in his mercy to us. And so I said, yes, Lord. So in January... Because look, every time, every time I started to do this back last year, nothing, nothing seemed to work out. Nothing seemed to happen right for me. I started to get some people together, some volunteers, and then, and then things would happen in their life, and they would go. And, and you know, it was just not, it never felt like the right timing, right? I, oh, I got to have everything perfect. And God said, are you going to trust me or are you not? So let me tell you. Second week of January this year, we, Thursday night, we had our first live free. That's what it's called. It's a 12-step faith-based 12-step. That's what we tell everybody so that, they, so that it's palatable to them. But what it really is, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus doing miracles in people's lives. And so that first night we had three people and I thought, praise God, we'll do something. I was excited, y'all. Listen, three people doesn't sound like a lot. And like I and I knew two of them. Now that doesn't mean that they didn't need Jesus, but 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 you know what I mean. I but I was like, all right, hey, we got three people. We can start something here. 
Within two months or so, we were running 40 every night, every Thursday night, at least 40. This last Thursday night, we had 62 there. We've had over 40 salvations this year. I don't remember how many. We've, I think we've baptized 10 or 15 of them this last two Sundays ago. I had a great opportunity to baptize somebody, and I had a unique problem that I've never had to face before. I had to figure out how to baptize somebody with an ankle monitor on. By the way, if you're curious, wrap it in a, wrap it in a bag and duct tape it up, and that ankle monitor will be just fine. And it's been rainbows, sunshine, and flowers. No, it hasn't. What I can tell you, and I know this, that I know this, that I know this, our Sunday mornings have been fire because our Thursday nights have been fire. They have. God's doing something on Sunday in the church pew because in the fellowship hall on Thursday we're doing what Jesus said to do to the least of these. I didn't know Kirbyville had homeless folks. I mean, I knew we had one because he walked around town with a pig following him. That's a whole other story. That pig has actually been in the church. He didn't get saved and we didn't make bacon out of him, but I was trying, all right? But let me tell you, let me tell you, listen, Pastors, if I can encourage you, if you will reach the least of these, God will move in your services. When we look in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, the pattern is not that they had salvation and then they had an outpouring of the Spirit. The pattern in the book of Acts is that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There was signs and wonders and then there was salvation. And we wonder why we don't see signs and wonders in our church because there's not lost people in your pews. You want to see a Pentecostal get down while well, mama under the spot where the glory comes out? Then get lost folks in your pews. Because there's no need of a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit for the country club. In fact, the country club doesn't want the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. The country club wants their pew to be right. The country club wants the volume to be right. They want their right songs, the songs that they love. They want this and they want that. And let me tell you, I was talking to my wife just a few weeks ago, and she was, she was not complaining. We were talking about some problems, some concerns that we have with some folks that come, some things. And let me tell you, there's, there's a real heart thing there. It's not an easy ministry. It's not... But I said, honey, I would, I'm so thankful to have these problems. I'd rather these problems than the AC's too cold or the music's too loud. Given to me every day. I'd rather have the problems of, hey, these folks don't know how to act in church. They don't know that you're not supposed to eat a jelly donut during church. They don't know that you're not supposed to get up during the sermon and go talk to your friend that you haven't seen in a while. They don't know that. Praise God. Praise God. And let me, let, me, let me get back to the text here. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. When did you get it right? Seriously, church. 
when did you get it right? So right that you can stand in judgment of those that haven't gotten it right. You know, the Bible talks about this, logs and splinters, something like that. You seem to know it, so I'm not going to go there. And he says that at the proper time I may exalt you. He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And let me tell you, I begin to intimately experience this, this part of this verse here. Because you see, the last 10 months, I have never felt more out of control. More not in control of my church, what's happening in my life. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because you see, in my pride, I want to control everything. In my pride, I want to be in control of it all. I want to make sure that everything is perfect. I want to make sure that everything is absolutely right, that the service is planned. Hallelujah. When Jesus takes hold of the service and you don't get to say what you want to say in your sermon because you got to let out before 1230 at least so they can get to Jenny's. Y'all don't have Jenny's, but maybe one day you will. I don't know. But listen, you have to say, Jesus, you are in charge. That creates, you have to have humility and it has to take humility in order to be obedient to what God is saying because there are some uncomfortable things that are going to have to happen. You're going to have to step on some folks' toes. You're going to have to you have to get rid of tradition. Now listen, I'm not saying all traditions are bad, but listen, no tradition is above Jesus Christ. We sing, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all, but not my tradition, Jesus. But not my tradition. I don't care if that lady came in shirt, shorts and the short-cut shirt. She doesn't know yet. Paul says, why are you surprised when the lost act lost? None of us are surprised when a dog barks because that's what a dog does. Church, why are we surprised when the lost act lost and they come in and they defile our sanctuary? This is a beautiful building, but folks, it's a building. And when Jesus comes back, I, I don't know if it's going to stay. Last time I checked, th this becomes holy ground because we are his people carrying his holy presence. But otherwise, this is just a piece of Fred, Texas, y'all. Right? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have reverence for the house of God. I'm not saying any of that. Yes, church folks should cheat the house of God right but don't expect the lost folks to do it because they don't know and some of our disobedience is in holding on to things that we don't realize are preventing people from coming through the front doors some of our disobedience is in holding on onto things and, and having expectations of folks. And let me tell you, it's easy in the South. You know, one of the things I love about ministering in the North was that folks in the North, I often encountered people who hadn't been to church for generations. And I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because they didn't know how to play church. 
I remember the first Sunday that we stood at the front of the altar, my wife and I, we were on staff at this very big AG church up there, and we're up there, and I don't remember what song they're playing. They're playing a song, and it's, it's altar ministry time, and this this really rough-looking fella come down. To, it was a lady, actually, if I remember right. She came walking down the aisle, and we, it, was, it was probably our first or second Sunday at the church. We said, how can we pray for you? She said, oh, hell, I'm a drunk and I, I don't know what to do. My life stinks. Praise God we can pray for that. Here we would get, well, I have an unspoken prayer request. I have a friend who has a need, but it's really me. Come on, when are we going to stop playing church? You want to kill the revival of Jesus? In our church, then play church. Play church. Keep on. Keep on. It says the devil is like a lion, roaring, seeking someone to devour. And it says resist him. And I, my church hears me say this all the time. The greatest form of spiritual warfare is obedience to Jesus. You want to give the devil a black eye? Be obedient to Jesus. You have a problem in your finances? There's not enough to go around? Then get your wallet out and sanctify it unto the Lord. Give it to Jesus. You want to be obedient to Jesus? That, that, that will make sure that that devil gets a black eye every single time. You cannot expect to have the blessings of God and be disobedient to God. You cannot expect to have revival and have just a little bit of disobedience, Jesus. We want a move of God and yet we are like tiny rocks in the stream creating dams and you get enough tiny rocks together and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop that flow of the Holy Spirit. And sure, you're going to get in church and you're going to have a good time. It's going to be nice. But like what Brother Christ said, are you really connecting with the Holy God? Because let me tell you, the word says it's his love and kindness that calls us to repentance. When's the last time you repented before God? Really? When's the last time you prayed that dangerous prayer of David? Oh God, search my heart and reveal anything in me that's displeasing to you. Search my heart today, oh God, and reveal anything in me that would stop your move in my life. Reveal anything that would stop your move in my church. Reveal anything in me that would stop your move in my family. Reveal it. And God, I will be faithful because your love and kindness showed to me on Calvary says that I can repent. And your word says that you are faithful and just to forgive me. What it means when it says faithful and just, it means that God always, he's faithful. He always forgives you and he's right to forgive you even when you don't think he is. Some of us haven't asked for forgiveness because we think we deserve that. Let me ask you, when did your sin become too much for the cross? So you persist in sin? You persist in disobedience? Because, because it's too much? Come on, that's some bad theology right there. But resist him, firm in your faith. What is firm in your faith? Obedience. It says, he says, casting all your anxieties because we, oh, we love to play some games in church. One of the games is what if. I hate the game of what if. Pastor, what if what you have to say is too offensive? What if what you have to say 
steps on some toes? What if what you have to say makes you seem like you're not loving? What if I don't invite so-and-so? What if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? What if, what if, what if? Cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Because last time I checked, Jesus doesn't have a list of exceptions for my obedience. I have never once had a conversation with the Lord where I said, but Lord, you know, I would be obedient, but what if this? And he says, you know what, Sean, you're right. Never. Never. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. His word hasn't changed, has it? He's not making exceptions for my what-ifs, for my anxieties. He's saying, do it. Do it. There's love and kindness, and he, I'm so thankful that God persists with me. I'm so thankful that he persists with me. I'm stubborn. I know I am. My wife will tell you I am. Come on, honey. You could have said amen anywhere. But let me tell you, Resist the devil. Firm in your faith. Knowing with the knowledge. Listen, I think we, we've, we've, we've lied to ourselves or we believed a lie. I don't know which one. That suffering is not of God. And yet nowhere in the Bible can I see where he says, follow me and it's going to be roses. I, I always think about this. <laughs> Jesus would have been a terrible football coach. He gets his disciples and he gives them the worst pep talk ever. He says, hey, all right, team, when you follow me, they're going to hate you. They're going to throw stones at you. You ain't going to have anywhere comfortable to sleep. You might get hungry, but let's go do it. <laughs> go team. <laughs> but let me tell you what. Those 12 men... And yeah, I'll count Judas in there. Because even in his disobedience, God took what the enemy meant for evil and turned it for good. He turned it for your good and my good. So I'll count Judas in that 12. Right? He says this. Your brotherhood, that means the body's going to suffer. Can't help but think about what Galatians says, Paul says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Why do you grow weary in well-doing? Because there's, there's persecution. Because it's hard to do well. Don't grow weary in well-doing. That tells you it's hard to be obedient to Jesus. Don't grow weary in well-doing. But if you persist, it's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to persist. Do you hear that in the word? It's not a foregone conclusion that you and I are going to continue to be obedient. It's up to you. If you persist, you will reap a bountiful harvest. And we want, we want there to be a harvest. Listen, I, I'm not much of a gardener. In fact, I stink at gardening, but I do try to do it. And when you persist in that garden, your yield is a lot better. When you let that garden go, Hey, I planted the seed, God. I watered it. I fertilized a little bit, but I didn't have time to get in that bed and weed it. Yeah, I'm going to have some harvest, but it's not going to be bountiful. 
The more you work that ground, though, the more you get in there day after day and you get up when it's 110 degrees outside. I've, I've asked the Lord about that, by the way. And when you get out there and you say, God, I'm out here and I'm doing my work. I'm getting, I hate weeding. I hate it. I'm not a little boy. My knees don't bend real well. I mean, they do, but I don't like it. There's thorns on them plants, God. Why did you have to make the thorny weeds grow in my garden? He didn't. The devil did. Now I'm talking symbolically here, right? But God gave that garden to you to tend. That, that's the harvest that God called you to. And if you persist, church, if you persist in obedience to God, then the revival, the outpouring of rain, we love when it rains. We love it because it means there's going to be more tomatoes. And if there's more tomatoes, there's more salsa. We love it. And when God's spirit pours out, what is the result of the pouring out of God's spirit? Listen, if it's just a good time at church, you're missing the points. The outpouring of the spirit in Acts was salvation. That was the fruit of it. It was kingdom growth. So what happens? What happens? I, I, I want to just take a second and turn to Isaiah 54. He says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and the left and your offspring will possess the nations and the people of the desolate cities. Do you hear what God is saying here? He's doing a work. But there's some obedience on our part. God's bringing the increase. Are we willing to widen the tent out a little bit? He says, pull up those tent stakes. But God, the tent stakes have been there forever. That's a pillar in the church. I don't care. Pull it up. Move it. But God, we've always done service this way. Move it. If you, want, if you want to see your community reach for Jesus, then move them tent stakes. Move them tent stakes. And he said, I love this part because he says, and, and, and get ready, get ready. The curtains of your habitation, let them be stretched out. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about my inner comfort place. My habitation, that's my safe spot, right? That's where I feel comfortable. My habitation isn't my front door. Right? It, it's, it's, it's let people in. It's let people in. And I, oh, Lord, help me. Like some of us, church, some of us have let so much bitterness into our hearts, bitterness and disappointments because people have hurt us over the years. I feel like this is for some pastors here. Listen, you let bitterness into your heart and you, you, you give it away by saying, well, I'm just protecting myself so that I'm not hurt. And that protecting yourself holds people out here like this. And Jesus is saying to you, Pastor, this morning, let them in. 
Stretch the curtains of your inner habitation. Let them in. Why? Because the grace that has been measured to you is not meant just for you. And you're not going to pour that full measure out on the sinful person until you let them in. And God's either your refuge and your strength or he's not. You're either a new creation in Christ or you're not. You don't get to do the former things. You don't get to hold grudges, Pastor. It doesn't matter if they hurt you. As of yet, I've yet to have a church member put a spear in my side. And Jesus forgave that. Right? Church folks, church hurt is real. It's real. But the forgiveness of Jesus is better. It's better. It's better. There's freedom. There's freedom. Some of that dominion that Brother Creston was talking about last night was that freedom. Oh, that we would be free. We'd be free to be who Jesus has called us to be. Some of you just don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. And he says, he says this, that the fruit of your obedience is that the desolate places, the Freds, the Kirbyvilles, the Jaspers, the Woodvilles, those places are going to be populated with the children of God. You see, our obedience is not just about bringing a nice week of revival. But I, I want it to continue. I don't want business as usual. Church, my, my, my folks that are here, you look out. Sunday's coming. I feel it. I feel it. God's going to move. God's going to move. There's a spark. There's a flame that started in this place this week. And let me tell you, let me encourage you, every single one of you, no matter what role you hold in the church, and I mean that, it doesn't matter what role you hold in the church, each joint supplying what the other needs. Church member, your pastors need you. You are a joint in the body. You are a place in the body. Jesus needs you in his church. It was a greeter. It was a greeter at that little Baptist church a long time ago when I was eight years old that led my daddy to Jesus. Because you know what that greeter did? He let the curtains of his habitation be stretched and here's a stranger. Do you know that the gift of hospitality isn't about the nice church luncheons? Do you know that, folks? I know we're Pentecostal and we like our church luncheons, but let me tell you, that's not the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality is to the stranger. The spiritual gift of hospitality is to the stranger. Are we going to let folks in? Because you see, it was at that nice Baptist luncheon that that man led my daddy to Jesus. Every joint is important. Every joint is important. Part of my story this last 10 months is that I, I began to teach at the local junior high. I'm playing hooky today to come talk to you. 
And I, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, I, I haven't complained a little bit to the Lord. I got, I, for the most part, I, I love what I do, but there's days when it's trying because they're seventh graders, y'all. And sometimes seventh graders are very human. In fact, somebody was asking me one day, how are you pastoring and teaching seventh graders and doing that thing with addiction ministry? And I said, you know what? There's not much difference between church folks, addicts, and seventh graders. We all act a little stupid sometimes. We all need Jesus. She doesn't agree. She doesn't like it. Praise God for babies in the church sanctuary. Let me tell you. Can, can we let God stretch us? Can, can we let God shake up? He says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And you can have two responses. I love ratchet straps. There's nothing you can't do with a ratchet strap. Oh, man, I got a bucket full of them for my truck. I love tying things down. There's like a certain point of pride. When I put my tractor on the trailer and I tie down that big old tractor and it don't move when I get to where I'm going. Right? But how many of us right now are going... All right, Jesus, I'm ready for you to shake things. Let me get that ratchet strap down on this part of my life. All right, Jesus, you can shake it. It ain't going to move now. I love it. Because Jesus goes, oh, yeah? Because <laughs> there ain't a ratchet strap yet that can't be cut. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, folks. Will you walk in obedience to Jesus Christ today? Will you continue to stoke the flames of revival by your obedience to the Lord? It's supernatural what God is doing here. It's supernatural. There's no doubt about it. But in the natural, will you do the hard things? The devil's not going to stop. But you have dominion over that sucker. He ain't going to stop. And he's not afraid of you, by the way. He loves to tell you reasons why you can't be obedient to God. And some of us are foolish enough to believe him. And a part of your dominion is that you can, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, be obedient to God. Yes, it's hard. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. Yes, it's hard. But will you do it today? Will you, will, you, will you pray that dangerous prayer with me? Some of you already know it. I don't even have to, you don't even have to pray it because the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart as I've been speaking. Some of you are going, oh, God, not that. I just tied down them straps, God. God said there's a shaking coming. Are you just going to go in and get rid of that junk now or are you going to let it just make a mess in your life? Because you know when it busts loose, when that shaking happens, 
That's what it does. It makes a mess. So if you go ahead and clean it up now with Jesus and the grace of Jesus, you're going to save yourself a mess. You're going to save yourself some heartache. Will it still be hard? Absolutely. Can it be easier? Oh, yeah. And it's the grace of God. So what are you going to do today? Would you pray with me today? Would you ask the Lord, would you pray that dangerous prayer this morning? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, search my heart. Your word tells me that you alone know my heart, that my heart is deceitful above all things, and it lies to me, and right now it's telling me that I'm okay, but God, you know my heart. You know the parts of my heart that are not okay, God, and I need you by the power of your spirit to reveal it to me. Would you show me, oh God, the condition of my heart, the areas that are not surrendered to you, the areas that I've tied down and I've dared you to shake in me, oh God, today I repent and I let you remove those things, those sacred cows of my life, those areas where I've held on to tradition, I've held on to things that you have not called me to hold on. What you've called me to hold on is to the cross and to your resurrection and the power of your spirit. So today I hold on to you, Jesus. Reveal it in us, oh God. Reveal it in us, oh God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, do you feel and sense the calling of the Lord right now, just calling you, calling you to repentance, calling you to trust him, to trust and obey. There is no other way. Do you feel him this morning? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I let go of those things. Oh, Jesus, I repent. Oh, I repent of my pride. Oh, I repent of my comfort and my desire to be comfortable above my desire to be obedient. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I repent of being arrogant, of thinking that there's nothing wrong with me, of thinking that I have achieved it, when I have not yet, oh, refiner's fire, work in me, refine me. Come on, church. This isn't just my prayer. It's your prayer. Pray it. Oh, lift your voices, church. Don't, don't be, don't be stiff-necked. Don't be stubborn today. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be anxious, the word says. Be obedient. Confess your sins. Oh, and our Father is faithful. She masanda rala la masiti didisi. Oh, rana masiti didisi. Jesus, moving us this morning. Move us, oh God. Lord, don't let my heart be the be a stone in the path of that raging river of your spirit. Don't let me be a place where other disobedience can build up against your move, oh God. Don't let me be a, a tool of the enemy. I want to be a tool of the kingdom. Jesus. Jesus, move in our hearts this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Let everything that can be shaken, shake it up in my life, oh God. I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust and obey. Oh, I will trust and obey. Oh, I just sense it this morning. Somebody here, it is fear that is motivating you and not the love of God. It is fear because you're not sure that you know how to live without that thing that Jesus is asking you to let go of right now. And let me tell you, there's life and life abundantly. When you allow Jesus to take that sinful part of your heart, when you allow Jesus to have control of it, when you allow him to cleanse you by his blood that flows from Calvary, let me tell you, there's freedom today for you, friends. Oh, there's somebody in here this morning that's holding on to unforgiveness because you're justified in it. You're justified in it. And let me tell you, that justification feels right, but Jesus was justified in dying on the cross for that sin too, and you don't get to hold it against him because it's already been paid with by the blood of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus flow over it right now and release that unforgiveness. Release that debt because it's already been paid for on the cross. Come on. Come on this morning. Can we just let the Lord bring freedom in our hearts? Oh, Jesus, we sing about a heart of worship. Oh, in worship we repent. In worship we repent because he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. His love and kindness that causes me to sing also calls me to ask for forgiveness. Oh, Jesus, move this morning in us. Hallelujah. 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 If you would be so bold this morning just to stand up, is to stand up and come down to the altar. We want to we agree with you this morning. If you've got something in your life right now that the Lord wants you to release to him, I want to agree with you in the name of Jesus. Because the word says, anything that you bring to my father, that you agree with another person, with my father, hears it in the name of Jesus. So let's, let's kick that thing to the curb. James says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Come on. That's a hard verse, y'all. That's one that I, I wrestle with, God. I don't want to tell nobody about that. But he says, do it. Let me tell you, several years ago, I was, I was wrestling with depression, and I mean wrestling, and it was winning. And I was calling out to the Lord, and the Lord said, Sean, if you will tell your deacons in your church that you are struggling with depression, I will heal you. Oh, Jesus, I don't want to do that. What if those men think different of me? So I called them together and I said, Deacons, I'm depressed. And I didn't want to tell you this because I didn't want to lose respect because I like my respect, don't you? And you know what the response was? They got the anointing oil and they gave, gathered around me and they prayed the prayer of faith and they anointed me with oil and Jesus Christ lifted that depression off of me. In an instant. So this morning, would you do that? Would you, Sister Kathy, could you play a little bit on the keyboard this morning? Or if there's another keyboard player, I don't know. If, whatever. Come on. Come on. Would you come forward this morning? Would you just cast all your cares on the Lord for he cares for you? Would you do that this morning? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Would you be bold this morning? Oh, we agree this morning. Oh, la masanda la la masi ti da na la la masi. Oh, rida na la masi da na la masi. Come on, church. Come on, church. Oh, walk in freedom. Literally, walk in freedom. Walk down that aisle. Walk in freedom this morning. Let today be the last day that you walk in bondage to that sin. Don't carry it past this revival.
taking the microphone and just closing. Can't hardly do that. Just can't hardly do it. Would you stand with me for just a moment? I want to I wanna do something before we leave here. Um, if I could get you to leave your seat there, your, your tent area, and if you could kind of stretch your fabric a little bit and put your stake down here, I would appreciate that. What, that, what I'm asking you to do is leave your seat and come and stand here in the front in case you didn't catch the metaphor. I'm just trying to show I was listening. Did you enjoy that? Wasn't that good? It was good. Man, that was good. And I'll tell you something else. I saw a little excitement with him once in a while. He does. I, I want you to do something with me. Now that you're all down here, and that is, I want you to divide up into groups of no more than five. So look around you and find you five, no more than five, not ten, no more than five. So find, find you five, no more than five. So if you count in your group and you got more than you got fingers, then, then start you another group. So just kind of circle up in groups of five. Just kind of circle up in groups of five. And what I want you to do is just for a moment, I want you to pray for one for another. If you don't know, who, if you don't know the people in there, just introduce yourself real quick. Say, hello, my name is. And then just begin to pray for them. Just begin to lift their name up. You can do it all together. You don't have to do it separately. You don't have to pray by yourself. Just begin to say, God, touch him, Lord God. Minister to him this morning, Lord. Father God, let your Holy Spirit, God, be, be alive in their hearts and in their minds, oh God. Let them feel your presence, Lord. Let them feel your presence, God. Father, in Jesus' name, just begin to pray right now. Just begin to lift up, lift them up. You can all pray at the same time. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would touch him that you would minister to them, God, that you would anoint them, Father. Lord God, I pray, my Father God, that, Father, if there's anything, Lord God, between you and them, Father, that it would be forgiven today, God, that your mercy would be great, that your power would be strong, that your anointing would rest upon us, Lord God. Father God, we pray one for another now, oh God, hallelujah, Father. Lord, we lift up our brother, we lift up our sister, we lift up those that we're, we're with, oh God, and we just pray, Father God, that your Holy Ghost, Lord God, would begin to minister and touch and move in a real way, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you that you're a part of us, oh God. 
Thank you that we are your blood-bought, Lord God, in Jesus' name, God. Father God, those of us that don't know you, Lord God, I pray, Father, that you would bring us into a relationship, God. Let your love permeate everything we do in this house, oh God. Let us feel your love, know your love. Oh, Father God, be touched by your love, oh God. In Jesus' name, God, thank you for the love of God. Thank you for the love of God. Thank you for the love of God. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father God, minister now, Father. Hallelujah. Let your Holy Spirit, God, let your Holy Spirit, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Glory to God, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let the love of God, let the love of God, let the love of Jesus Christ be felt and experienced here today, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Victory ahead. It's victory ahead. It's through the blood of Jesus. Victory ahead. Oh, trusting in the Lord. I hear the conqueror's tread. By faith I see the victory ahead. It's victory ahead. It's victory ahead. It's through the blood of Jesus. There's victory ahead. Oh, trusting in the Lord. I hear the conqueror's tread. By faith I see the victory ahead. It's victory it's victory ahead. It's through the blood of Jesus. Victory ahead. Oh, trusting in the Lord, I hear the conqueror's tread. By faith I see the victory ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. There's some still being ministered to, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and release. Thank you for being with us this, this morning, and um, God bless you. We're having service tonight at 7, so be sure, and if you're not having church at your church, then be sure and make it back down here. Thank you so much. Have, uh, we, got me, we got a meal in the back? Yes. We got plenty, plenty, plenty of food, and it's tacos. Tacos. Praise God. And feel the Lord in the house. Amen. Amen. So be sure and stay in need. Let me, let me bless the food and bless you before we go. If you just wait just a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God, for your service today, Father. Thank you for your anointing today, God. Thank you for your forgiveness that we've experienced today, God. Thank you for your love and thank you for the message that we heard today, Father. Lord God, thank you for the food that's been prepared, Lord God, and Thank you, Almighty God, for the opportunity to live in a nation of such abundance, Father God. Thank you, Lord God, that we are fed and clothed and in our right minds today, Almighty God. And we thank you, Father, for the revival, Lord, that's going to shake this nation to be one nation once again under God. Thank you for the state in which we live, O oh God. And we just pray, Lord, that God, today that you would bless Texas, Father. 
Lord, let your anointing rest upon this state and upon its pastors and upon the ministers, Father. Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, O God, and help our bodies, Lord God, to be used for you, O God, to win souls. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless.